And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a trio of feathery brethren, weather in any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bo Sheila and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins. Till Zach runs off with his valet keys, he's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose, it's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheila and Zach coming at you with Steps and things flapping their wings Just on. Just uh, they can be like bathing suits. What they, you know, what? <laughs> Finish it up. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta take them off. What the hell? Uh, what, what they show is is revealing, but what they conceal is vital, right? So, <laughs> hello everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Tuesday evening, live on YouTube or delayed in your ears. Bo Wolf. Zach Berman, Shilkapadia, Marissa Morris, everybody in the house. We got to start off with the big time question. Shiel, how you doing? Well, I'm doing better than uh, Dimitri, who is who is uh, viewing from Melbourne. It sounds like where they just had an earthquake. But I mean, it, this is dedication to the pod, where he apparently uh, I'm reading through the comments uh, on our YouTube channel. He weathered the quake and is still joining us for Birds with Friends. So hopefully, everyone there is uh, is doing well. And it's okay. As for me, you know, I worked a little magic to get my hands on some film this week. Couldn't go two oh. weeks in a row without the uh, all 22. So we'll have some observations there. And then, of course, my favorite sports talk radio segment, the segment that is taking over the country, the world. ZB and the Wolfman, Wolf and ZB. ZB and the Wolf. ZB and the Wolf. So that, uh, you know, everything is really just a an appetizer until we get to that segment. Well, of course, everything is always about me as the protagonist of the world. So when I hear about an earthquake, it reminds me of uh, early on in my tenure with the Eagles. I was hosting uh, Eagles Live, and it was when we had that East Coast earthquake. And so you could see, like, if you watch the video, you could see me just, like, going side to side, shaking. And I got to say, I like, I, I kept it pretty cool. I thought that it was... I thought that there was like something going on, uh, like on the floor above. So I closed the show and got out of Dodge. Pretty, pretty smooth, uh, pretty smooth effort. I was proud of. I was at 400 North Broad Street that day, and uh, you know we felt a little bit. And then my wife called me, and I was. Uh, she still makes fun of me about how nonchalant I was. I'm like, Why, what are you doing? Why are you calling? I'm working. I'm working here. She's like, we just had an, <laughs> an earthquake. I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. I'll see you later. So I still hear I was about at, that one from time to time. I was at what then was called New Meadowlands Stadium for their introduction. What a bad name. For their introduction to, uh, you know, they were showing reporters all the bells and whistles of the stadium was before it officially opened. And did you think that that was like part of the tour? Uh, no, I, I, I did not. I actually, I, if I recall, I, I didn't feel much. I don't know mm. if up in 
East Rutherford, it had the same reverberation as down here in in uh, Philadelphia. Zach, so, Zach cans out of earthquakes. He doesn't absorb earthquakes. <laughs> that's right. All right. I was going to uh, make a joke about Melvin that, that perhaps that was the Ben Simmons news reaching mm, back home. But that's I, good. I certainly don't want to belittle an earthquake. Now, listen, uh, I just so I just did it. I just dipped my toes into it again. I've listen. I have heard all of the complaints. I'm working on it. I'm trying not to interrupt Zach as much. Okay. okay. Everybody keeps nailing me about this. And I got to say, the more you do it, the more you make me want to interrupt Zach. Okay. It's just, it's just the uh, uh, contrarian in me. So if you want me to stop cutting him off, I'm working on it. I'm trying to be better. Don't tell me about it anymore. Uh, Well, I, I would disagree with that as Zach. Well, I know what Zach's line was on Sunday night in the post game pod. Tolerance is, ambiguity what was that i don't know it was something <laughs> it's, you, you know. get what you tolerate yeah, yeah you get you get what you tolerate and so uh i could see i see the wheel spinning now during the podcast where bo is uh, thinking about it when he is about to interrupt so you know go ahead and, and keep reminding him let him know and zach i like you turning the table on bo and interrupting him during the uh post game pod so things are going well here all right can we get to some well, stuff, well, some eagle stuff? I'll, I'll just say real quick one of the things that i i like i should say one of the many things i like about this podcast is that it's it's not like your prototypical pregame show where this person gets 30 seconds this person gets 30 it, it should be conversational right so if you're talking to someone you would interrupt them if you have a point sometimes so i i i don't mind it and Thank I, I don't see why the commenters that uh object to it so much but i appreciate them listening and viewing big big zach is really coming at me on all angles on social media so i'm just i'm i'm i'm, I'm paying attention i got what it i got the message last, unbelievable what okay. a week all right well let's uh let's speaking of what a week let's send it over to the stone cold newsman for the latest on what is going on with the birds Brandon Graham is officially out for the season. He ruptured his Achilles tendon. He went on injured reserve today. Brandon Brooks has a strained pectoral. So relative to what it could have been, uh, it's, it's, I don't want to say good news, but it's, it's not the worst case scenario for the Eagles. He he's expected to be back this season. We'll miss a few weeks when on injured reserve, Zach Ertz was put on the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, so his his status at this point is in question. We'll find out more as this week progresses. The Eagles signed Jack Anderson, the seventh round pick from Texas Tech off of the Buffalo Bills practice squad. He is an offensive lineman. He takes one of the three open roster spots. Of course, the three spots are because Brooks and Graham are on IR and there's a roster exemption while Ertz is on the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, the Eagles also signed Bo's old friend Richard Rogers to the practice squad. Dick he returns. And Harry Kreider, who is Shield's favorite player, he uh, <laughs> returns to the practice squad as well. So those uh, are your – those are that's that's the Eagles on the twos. And back to you, Bo. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, <laughs> this guy's on a heater. <laughs> it's the season of Zach. There's no doubt about it. Uh, all right, let's talk. Um, let's talk the two injuries before we get to the re- the, the review of the of the game. Uh, Brandon Graham, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the post game show, but you know, you miss you miss his presence on the field and in the locker room. But like in terms of the way the team is built, they should be able to uh, cobble together something 
resembling uh, close to the level that they had with him, uh, whether that is Josh Sweat playing more on the left side, whether that is Milton Williams over there. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan has been bad, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, wait, yeah, you, you furrow I mean, your how brow? Are they co- how are they cobbling together yeah, right. Milton Williams and Ryan Kerrigan? I mean, what are the words coming out All of right, your mouth? All right, you're fair. You're right. He was the best player. He's the, he's the reigning chicken defensive player of the year. year. Yeah, By right. the way, you know, you could see it on the um, Jermichael Hasty run there who is playing yeah. dn there teron You're right. jackson i don't know getting housed yes. by a fullback when's the last time a, yeah teron jackson was getting just I mean, blown Graham off the ball and run, would and run. throw kyle use and it is use i mean uh, marissa yeah. thank you for coming through i was embarrassed for the pod there until you <laughs> i thought you i know, said it was use check no? yeah, i mean you two were very uh very confused there but you know brandon graham would be throwing kyle use into the third row. And so, you know, and especially with the way Jonathan Gannon is rotating these guys, like if this was a team where the defensive ends played uh, 80% of the snaps or 90% of the snaps, like some teams, then yeah, you could just say, all right, Barnett on one side, sweat on the other side with the way they're rotating. I mean, I I'm very interested to see just next week. Like we could probably look at the number of snaps where it would have been great to have Brandon Graham on the field. So I would say that you are, uh, I don't know. This you're right. You're right. Atlanta. I deserve to be called on What's that, yeah. going on? Okay. So yeah, you know, I think it's a. I hear what you're saying. If you just look at the depth chart, you say, all right, they had three defensive ends. You can only play two at a time. Now they have two. They're fine. But I think when you zoom out a little bit, uh, it is an issue. Well, they've only they've also only uh, you know they're they're playing different positions really, which we didn't talk about on the on the post game pod like. In the base defense, Brandon Graham has been on the line of scrimmage when they've had three down linemen, right? He's been he's been that sort of uh uh you know end defensive lineman. And that has not like Josh Sweat and Brent and Derek Barnett have not gotten reps there. They've only been stand-up guys. So right. uh that's why I think it's gonna be more Milton Williams filling in than it's gonna be Josh Sweat to some degree. Um that said, like maybe that just means they play more four down linemen and they let Sweat and Barnett both be on the field at the same time. Yeah, I kind of just want to see the snap counts at the end of the next game. You know, that that's sort of what matters. It, it doesn't totally matter who is going to um, line up where. Well, I shouldn't say that. It does matter because of what I uh, just mentioned there uh, in terms of Teron Jackson and whoever's playing there when they go against the run. But yeah, I mean, I'm, Sweat and Barnett are going to see a bump up in snaps. Someone else is going to have to see a bump up in snaps and play well. And then they on Sweat the- $40 million. Play him. That's simple. Yeah, I mean, Bo, you do. said, you and I think Bo, you said during the post game pods, now's the time for, you know, Josh Sweat to step up. Uh, have I taught you nothing? No. Yeah, cash no, those checks. Yeah, he cashed those checks. The time wait, to step wait up. Wait three years. Three years. Time, yeah. Yeah. The time to step up was before you cashed those checks. Listen, the money is still going in the bank account, whether he plays like crap or whether he plays well. So now is That's not the fair. time to step up. He stepped up the time to step up. Well, a week ago was the time to step up. I mean, if he had had five sacks in the opener, all of a sudden, you know, that those contract yeah, that's terms are moving up a little bit. Okay, other side of the ball. Uh, a little bit weird. Did you think it was weird, Zach, that, that Nick Sirianni did not just say that Landon Dickerson is going to be the starting right guard with Brandon Brooks out? No, I, I did not think it was weird. Nick Sirianni, who is is forthcoming about, you know, some stuff in in that if you ask him, uh, uh, why didn't Josh Sweat play as as many snaps as we expected? He'll give like the football reasons why Josh uh, why Josh Sweat didn't play as many snaps as we expected. 
but he is not forthcoming as far as like lineup decisions and who's playing That's where, scheme. who's starting scheme. where. I can't get into that. That's scheme. So the 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 way I will frame it is that Landon Dickerson was the first guy up uh, on a week when it was his first time as a full participant in practice. Right, he had like three full practices and was the first guy up when Brooks went down. Now that they have a full week to prepare, I can't imagine Jeff Stoutland's going to be like, let's actually go with Nate Herbig, right? Um, so, yeah, Atlanta it would be insane. for all intents and purposes is the guard. Uh, we'll get to that during the All-22 segment. All right. Ooh, well, let's let's get into it. Let's talk offense. I'm not drinking a beer, by the way. I'm drinking an unsweetened green tea. The four of us have been struggling a little bit. <laughs> and so Marissa <laughs> was pouring a coffee when she uh, signed on. This is about her 17th podcast she's produced today. And I'm sure she still has hours of work after this. And uh, Bo was yawning like the second. I got a water here in my medieval on. times cup. Well, uh, in, in Bo's defense, he's done four podcasts today. She oh, was. yeah. What a flex that was. Zach. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so what were the other three podcasts? Yeah, Bo, for, you know, as Zach is referencing before he came on. And you know, he's like, I don't want to flex, but this is my fourth podcast of the day. So, of course, just, we have to I'm ask just, what I just want to do other- my work. <laughs> <laughs> what were the other three podcasts? That is your work. What do you mean? I you're, know, but I, you're, I got, that's your job. I know. You that's why I'm doing it. I want to help people out. But you charge fifty dollars a pod. <laughs> yeah. How about that? How about that lunatic? <laughs> Garbanzo beans guy. I would be fine with the three of us signing off and just letting Zach go for an hour. I mean, this guy is this is fantastic. All right, Bo. So, what other podcasts were you on? Uh, well, I just had the pleasure of talking to our dear friend, Kent Garrison, uh, okay. for the, uh, the, the Cowboys podcast. Our Love that. listeners, of course, will will remember Kent. Um, I did the uh, the Bird Gang thir- 31 or 13. Okay. Uh, now, I was, I was the sloppy seconds to Zach there. I believe Zach did that podcast last week. So um, there you go. And then uh, Brandon, the Brandon Deeg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he said. Yeah, he said you did it. He said you did it bright and early last time. Six thirty a.m. Six thirty a.m. And he's and central time too. You had him at five thirty in the morning. He, he got up at five thirty. Yeah, All I right. respect it. I respect Good. it. Anyone who has a podcast, if you're willing to get up early, I'll be your guest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> be our guest. Be our guest. <laughs> right. That's what I thought of too. <laughs> uh, so there you go. All right. Um, all right, let's let's talk offense. Shield, uh, my you know my impressions after rewatching the game. Now I did not get the uh, black market all twenty two like you did, but just in the flow of the game, um, I I, w- I was not as down on the performance as I was live on Sunday. I mean they did like they did move the ball pretty consistently. They just didn't finish. Um, I don't know what 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 did you what were your takeaways? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that uh, you know usually I hate the you know, we just play here or play there. We just miss some opportunities. Like, yeah, I mean, I probably railed on that on this podcast after like, you know, half the games, half the times we've done right. the post game pod after a loss. But I, I can kind of see it in this game. You know how close it was, how conservative the 49ers were on offense. I mean, you guys covered a lot of the uh, the the big plays, of course. But even the first possession, you know, the shot play to Devontae Smith. Uh, I thought you guys nailed it uh, after the pod, you know, even after having seen it live. It's just I felt like if that ball would have come out sooner, mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Smith definitely had a step there. And so I like the call to uh, be aggressive and, you know, go, that would have been what a 40, 50 yard touchdown. 
at the time. And so it's not that Jalen Hurts can't throw the deep ball. I mean, I don't know if people are having conversations about arm strength or whatever. Uh, I don't uh, I don't see that as the case at all. It's like a matter of timing, how much air you put under the ball, touch. You know, I would say more often than not, he does a pretty good job with those things. Not everyone's going to be perfect. You're not going to hit on everyone, but that was certainly one missed opportunity. The Rager one, you know, that one's just like crushing. Like it just feels, you know, yeah, Zach has made a good Aguilar uh, analogy before where it just feels like, you know, something's, something goes wrong here and there that separate, you know, and you can kind of see the talent and say, all right, you know, if, if this just would have happened, like, you know, if he would have caught that touchdown, like our whole conversation's different about him. Maybe they win the game. I mean, that was such a huge play. It was a great throw. They're dialing his number. It's just one-on-one on the outside. But, you know, he he gets uh, – he, he kind of takes it wide. I don't know if he was felt like the contact pushed him wide or if he took it wide himself, and he steps out of bounds there and doesn't give himself enough room. So that, of course, was a huge play. They have a first and goal from the one. You know, you have four plays, first and goal from the one, and you don't score. My big takeaway on that, and uh, you know, Zach, you you talked about this, I think, a little bit after in the post game pod. Like, let's start using the quarterback and getting aggressive. You know, getting creative with how you use the quarterback. Like, you're you're wasting him here uh, if you're just using him on an occasional zone read, or you're using him to scramble, or you know, they had the one speed option, but like run QB power, run a QB snap. I mean, really, if you're if you're first and goal from the one. I mean, what is Jalen Hurts squat? What is like the number? I yeah. mean, who, who has a, whatever it is, it's like yeah. two pounds what, fewer than Zach. Right. What quarterback has a stronger lower body than Jalen Hurts? Like, why are totally you in, agree? And you have a veteran center. Why are you not just uh, running a QB sneak with him there? You know, that that's one of those things. Like, I feel like if you practice it, like we see bad quarterbacks running QB sneaks very well. You know, it's not really like a talent thing. It seems like if you have someone who can teach it, of course. They ran them with Carson Wentz. Like, that's a go-to play. That cuts out so many variables. You don't have to get creative with it in short yardage. So um, that's a little baffling to me. I want to. I want to see them get more creative with Jalen Hurts in the run game. I think it's. I feel like it could really help them get some easy yards. It could help them in uh, short yardage. It could help them in the red zone. Like they had. Uh, they had the third Even- and one, and they're going. Uh, 13 personnel yes. under center, Jalen Hurts handing the ball off. Like, come on, what are you doing? You know, unless that's a, a fake handoff and he's sneaking out the backside on like a bootleg where he's just running. Uh, I want, he should at least be a threat on all those plays. Even the third and six run to Miles Sanders on the first possession. Oh, man. Uh, you know, that to me, there should be some other, I don't want to see runs that are just straight runs. Like when you have him, Give me an RPO. Give me a read element to it. Give me something where the defense has to think about what's going to happen if he keeps the ball here. I agree, although that one, that third and six was maddening because if Miles Sanders just follows Jordan Mailata, he he's going to get the first down and more, it looked like to me. Is that what it looked like on the All-22? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like the, the zone runs and stuff, yeah, I, I probably defended Miles Sanders and said let the running back use his creativity, but – that one, you know, there isn't what really like an option there. Yeah, you're just supposed to go to one. You got place. the big fella pulling across, like, <laughs> yeah. let him pave the way, dude. Either it works or it doesn't. But again, I'm not thrilled about that call. The third and six. Yeah, I agree. Uh, gap run. Now, I, I think they probably would have gone for it on fourth. If you're calling that, you're probably going for it if you pick up three yards or something on fourth down. But uh, I didn't love that. So that that was just one of my big takeaways. You know, week one we talked about all the easy yards 
they were able to scheme up in the passing game. And I just feel like another way to do that and to convert some of these high leverage situations is to just get more creative with, with using Jalen Hurts as a runner. So well, somebody my, mentioned, uh, my, sorry, go ahead, Zach. My uh, uh, theory or logic on this, I, I saw, it must have been a week and a half ago, our Browns writer, Zach Jackson, uh, he had a tweet that, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski, he was asked about his play calling influences. And he said he played a, a lot of Madden growing up, right? Uh, like if, if you're in at the, the Philly goal, area, that's right. true. Don't go actually. If, if you are, uh, if, if, if you're first and goal at the one in Madden, right. What plays are you calling? Right. And, and you have a, a mobile quarterback. Um, it's, it's not, there's, there's no need to overcomplicate it. Right. right. I, I, I understand coaching in real life is different than Madden, but my point is, is like, you're probably either sneaking or you're rolling out the quarterback, you know, you're, you're doing plays that will give you options to score at a high rate. Well, I was, I'm old. So I was playing Madden, uh, you know, 92 or 93. So I'm not kidding. The first thing I like that popped in my head when you mentioned that was I'm handing it to 41 Keith Byers and he, you know, okay. him and Madden, like he's not getting taken down by the first, uh, first defender. So he's definitely getting in from the, one yard line, but I agree. It's also an analytically, you know, like, like, like uh, it's an analytically supported, right. The QB sneaks yep. running in short yardage. Those are all sort of ideas that have been accepted by the analytics community. So you would think from the top down, they'd be like, yeah, go ahead and, uh, and do that. It's especially, especially in the middle of the field, like why let, let it be Jalen hurts making the defense make a choice when you at least have the threat of a pass like down on the one it's always going to be a little bit congested it's a little bit tougher but like that third and one that you talked about when they got stuffed in 13 personnel and then the field goal gets blocked like spread them out and give jalen hurts an option like yeah he, he, there's a good chance he's going to pick it up you mentioned uh you mentioned kevin stefanski zach and you just got to think about like poor joe judge the guy, his whole life has been about trying to make up for the fact that he lost that quarterback competition to Kevin Stefanski in high school. He has to transfer, you know, sets himself on a path for the rest of his life only for the same guy who beat him out to be hired as a head coach at the same time. You think he's hit the pinnacle and now already the other guys are really good head coach and Joe Judge is about to be fired within a couple of years. Like the poor guy is just like... No matter how good he is, he'll never be as good as the one guy who is always going to be better than him. Well, I, I wouldn't frame it like that. But when you have a, a pen education, you can be doing a lot of different things other than coaching football. So Kevin <laughs> Stefanski is, 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 is gracing us. Uh, Where did Joe Judge go to college? Community. Mississippi State. Oh, so. okay. Wow. Bulldogs. You're going to throw You're going to throw like uh, there's not a lot you can do with that. <laughs> I thought that was going to be your follow-up. No, I'm not. I went to state school. You know, that's the the Wake Forest line. You know, whatever you guys say about NC State, that's not me. Um, Okay, elsewhere on the offense, what uh, what jumped out to you? I guess. Well, you 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 were teasing about to throw Landon Dickerson under the bus. Let's hear your review of the uh, the second rounder. Well, I think it's understandable that he wouldn't play well. That it was a tough situation, but I don't think he. You know, he didn't play well. I I didn't think he played badly oh, you think I it was did. bad uh, yeah, i mean he missed I, I, it was I, I, it seemed to me like it was uh like knowledge of who he was supposed to have a couple times he missed guys he looked good in the run game to me he was moving listen, people i'm terrible at uh 
like if we're ever, if you've ever been next to me at a training camp practice and a reporter comes over and says like, oh, you know. <laughs> Did you see who caught that? No, 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 not that. Come on, that up. Okay. Right. <laughs> Jeez, right. throwing my, I, I was doing observations while you were in diapers. Oh, I know. Oh, but when, once you're the national, once you're the national guy, you're no. What I'm terrible at is if somebody says like, "Does this guy look like he's you know put on some muscle or put on some uh, pounds or this guy here looks like he's moved a little quicker from last year?" Shield, what do you like? I'm like, there are some guy, there are some guys who I love no weight idea. talk. Who love like how much have you gained? Yeah. Like what exactly what where are you playing at? And that stuff to me is like I just it it doesn't it doesn't even cross my radar. Eh, I don't mind a weight talk. I like a story about how you put on or, or lost uh, weight. I, love I know that. that's up your wheelhouse, but oh, if like like oh Fletcher Cox is playing at three seventy five. Well, that would be a story. <laughs> that would yeah. be a story. Yes. <laughs> he was playing at three seventy five. Yes. So, uh, but when I was watching, it felt like he was. I, is Landon Dickerson a great athlete? I mean, I don't know. Well, he's, everybody know, talks about everybody setter, talks about how everybody talks about how flexible he is. He's like incredibly flexible. Really? Yeah. Okay. He was into martial arts uh, growing up, and then if you saw at the pro day when Mac Jones was doing his interview, he gained a lot of attention for for doing backflips. Oh, okay. Um, so he's for a three hundred and twenty-five pound, you know, six-six, three hundred twenty-five pound man. Um, he's I, I don't know. Can Michael Dunn do backflips? Um, is that he can do I, everything? Spot. <laughs> well, good yeah, good answer. I'm sorry, it wasn't backflips. It was cartwheels. It was, it was cartwheels. Yeah. Yeah. Not I've never been able sorry to do that. a cartwheel. Yeah. I I mean like a like a, a hammy cartwheel I one now. But when you were Wait, younger, you would pull you a hammy. What? The, oh, I was. I could do lots of cartwheels, round offs. I was actually pretty athletic as a kid. Yeah. But if oh. I did one, if I did one now. I would be on the. I feel like uh, the wrist. Reserve. Yeah, yeah it, could, it could injure the wrist. I feel like. No, it would hurt my hamstring. That's what. Oh, but you're way. just. How would it hurt yeah. your hamstring? You're just tumbling over on yeah, the. Right. Doesn't put a lot of pressure on the hamstring. It does. No. Oh, yes. Huh. <laughs> Only I guess we're not doing it right. All right. Yes, Everyone, right. set it up. Set it up in front of the camera. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> we need. We need. We need Michael no, Dunn in the background to say uh, "hut hut yellow snow," and then <laughs> and then we need Marissa doing a cartwheel. <laughs> So I thought, uh, I, I thought Landon Dickerson, I, I don't know. It, it felt like he, like the quickness, like, like guys yeah. were just sort of, you know, going now that could be a situation where mentally he wasn't sure. I mean, he's coming in, he's played what three games. I mean, three practices, right. He's coming in in a game. He's right. not expecting to. So I'm not, you know, writing off Landon Dickerson. I'm just saying, if you showed me this guard in this game and asked, how did he play? I would say, uh, he did not play very well, you know, and, and it, it seemed like he wasn't moving great. I mean, he could, he's still coming off the knee injury. So that certainly could be part of it. I mean, there were two, I'm trying to look here at, at my notes. Yeah. Their final, uh, or their sixth and seventh possessions, you know, their sixth possession, uh, he got smoked on third down by Arden key and Jalen hurts gets hit. Arden uh, key was all over the place in this game as he throws incomplete. So, you know, that that's a pretty big play with sort of the game in the balance is third down and he gets beat there, and then uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm. I, were you talking about that third and two? I don't know or what that? the distance was. It was third down on their sixth possession, and okay. in a punt. Okay, and then their next one, uh, Dickerson and Kelsey on like a uh, you know th they didn't handle a stunt very well. 
there. And Joey Bosa kind of, you know, pushed my back a little bit and Jalen hurts takes the sack there and that ends a drive. So, you know, those are two true drives in the fourth quarter where it seemed like he had, that one was brutal. It was a four man yeah. pass rush and it looked like every offensive lineman lost. Yes. It collapsed. Right. Yeah, it was a, so, and it was a huge play. Yeah. Even the, uh, even the throw to Quez Watkins from the end zone. I mean, if you watch that one, Lena Dickerson gets shoved right back into mm. Jalen Hurts's face. I think I think Hurts went down on the play there, and so that was uh, yeah, get get shoved to the ground. That was against Eric Armstead, who's a very good player. But still, I mean, you know, if he doesn't get rid okay. of the ball there, uh, that that's a bad play. I would agree the run game was was better. Um, it, it was more in pass pro, and and you know, who knows? Hopefully, he, he could come out on Monday night and play really well. That's just sort of evaluating. What it seemed to me, who is someone who is not an offensive line expert, uh, what it looked like on uh, Sunday. Zach, you got any questions for uh, National Man? Well, you addressed the uh, Jalen Hurts part of it. One thing that I was I'm really paying attention to when I rewatched uh, was the the lack of involvement overall by the wide receivers, and I I know they didn't have a, a lot of volume to begin with. In term in the passing game, you know, like Bo mentioned on the podcast, it seemed on the post game pod, it seemed the third quarter the offense was was never on the field. But if if I'm Shane Steichen or I'm Kevin Patolo and you're Nick Sirianni, and uh, we're we're sitting there Monday morning and we're looking at the stat sheet and we're saying how the, how weren't our wide receivers more involved in this? Uh, what was your take? Or the there? tight ends? Or the tight ends? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's a very valid question with the wide receivers. I mean, one of my notes was like, we should probably pump the brakes on the wide receivers a little bit. I mean, you're going up against Josh Norman, who didn't have a job two weeks ago. And sorry, Bo, uh, pronounce the guy's name again for me. Diamador Lenoir. I should learn his oh. name because I thought he played what, you know, other than the Quez he did. bomb. Yeah, I thought, I thought he thought played so really well, actually. You know, the, um, the, the Josh Norman thing is funny. I was talking to, here's a, this is a real flex. Uh, in the press guy. box, in the press box, I was talking to my, my quick before the game mm. and we were just talking about the matchup. I was like, yeah, Josh Norman's out there. Like he's ready to get toasted. And he's like, hold on a second. Like, you know, Josh Norman's a pro. Like he knows what Drafty he's doing. Bad. This is okay. no, like he's well, no Waco. He, this is no, this is like the guy's been on the street, but maybe he was waiting for an opportunity. Like he knows, but what it's, he, it, he knows what he's doing out there. Like, yeah. no, so. it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. You uh, bring that up because. I'm uh, not the Mike Quick part of it. That was a good flex. The Josh Norman part of it. Um, <laughs> I I didn't talk to Josh Norman, obviously, but but we uh, we spent post draft saying Devontae Smith's uh, weight's not a big deal. That kind of you know we've we've always saw him get open. Yeah, it seemed like Josh Norman's approach was to try to bully him, right? Like he was he was willing to get flagged. He got flagged twice for yeah. pass interference, but it seemed like Josh Norman was like, all right. My approach this game is is like I'm 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 gonna be real handsy. I'm gonna I'm gonna be grabby. I'm gonna push him. I'm gonna bump him. Um, if he gets open, he's gonna have to earn it. And uh, I I I don't think like Devontae Smith was exposed or anything like that. But it is something that I'm I'm curious if other corners uh, try this approach against him. There were definitely plays where I'm like pausing it and being like, all right, you know, I, I would think somebody would be open and separate by now. And, uh, and, and they didn't. So there were definitely those moments for sure. Smith, it's a hard game to evaluate. You know, if I thought there were two deep ball, I, I think he got three deep ball opportunities, right? 
I know there were at least two where I felt like if Hertz got two. rid of the, yeah, I thought there were two where he had a step and if Hertz gets rid of the ball earlier, then maybe yeah. he has a big play. If he catches both of them, then we're saying, wow, Devonte Smith dominated uh, that game. So it was bad. three. It was three. Okay. I think it was three for him, two for Rager, two for Quest. Yeah, there was one I didn't think had had a shot, but there were the other two I thought did have a shot. I think I've mentioned this take before, where it sucks to play wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, you're totally dependent on the quarterback. You're getting you know a handful of opportunity. You play the whole game and get like five balls thrown your way. If you're lucky, stuff could go wrong on those plays, which we saw. So uh, not you know nothing to be like overly concerned about. But uh, yeah, I I mean you can tell the Eagles coaches thought that their wide receivers could dominate that game. Right. That's right. That was they, the game plan. That's yeah, that why was the game plan. And they didn't, you know, they there, whether it was partially due to pressure, partially due to Hertz not playing great or due to them not separating and getting open. Um, that did not work. Now, Quez Watkins. Now, how, what, what percentage of snaps did Quez Watkins play? I don't, I don't know that he played 10 okay. fewer snaps than Rager. That's that's the thing okay. that I remember. But. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of separating, like if you just looked at that game, you you know, you might say Wes Watkins has the ability to do that better than anybody else uh, they have. So it's a, it feels like given his big playability, I mean, he just runs by a guy. I'd like uh, to see him on the field. The more. answer is is fifty percent of the snaps, twenty nine snaps. Okay. Uh, well, so guess... for all the all the wide receivers, Devontae Smith, forty nine snaps, eighty four percent. Jalen Rager, forty two snaps, seventy two percent. Watkins, 29, 50%. Greg Ward, 21 snaps, 36%. Okay. I mean, Watkins had two, like, two explosive plays when he was on the field, and they were both legit. You know, one, he runs by a guy. Second one, he separates the cornerback, falls down uh, on that play. And so I, I would certainly like to see more. Of oh, I was actually curious about that play because you can't tell on the broadcast what, what happened on the play. I didn't know if it was ske- like a fully schemed up player or, or if he had won. So. No, I think it was one-on-one man okay. coverage, and uh, I mean, I don't know if we if we credit we should credit him or not for the corner falling down. Right, but the corner did fall <laughs> down, so he was wide open on like a deep out or whatever it was on the right side. All right. Okay, I mean, what did you? I guess I guess the only other question is like big picture, like the the entire game plan was completely different from week one. What did you make of of the plan that that Sirianni had? Well, did like, you guys do they know want- who they are? Did you guys watch the uh, the Peyton Eli, any of that on Monday Oh, night? I want to talk about this. Of well, course. It, it sort of ties of in. Okay. It's exactly. so much better than um, – it's really good. Great. I, re- I don't even like – Yeah, I feel like I, I'm going to have trouble watching a regular like announcing crew after watching it. I thought it – I thought I think it's really entertaining. My only issue is I like – I don't know if it's just how my brain works, but I'm looking at them as they talk. And so I'm mm. just missing the game because I'm – I wouldn't watch it like – I wouldn't watch it for an Eagles game. Like I wouldn't watch it for the for the game that I care about, but it's but you, like You'll probably perfect... watch it. I bet you would record it and watch it. I might after. do that. There's a yeah. lot of stuff you can pick yeah. up on. Like you're teaching, and I feel like it's the perfect amount of football – like they hit the X's and O's at the perfect level for me. You know, like I'm like, all right, two deep safeties. I know that they're not going overboard where I'm going, all right, what what are they talking about here? So I'm sure that's something that they have to sort of weigh. But I mean, you know, their big thing, Peyton Manning was just harping on it throughout the first half. His big point was, all right, the Lions are playing with two deep safeties and the Packers have to be patient and just right. run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, which is the sort of old school um, approach and, I don't know if it's even old school, but that's like the way people think of, all right, when the other team's playing two deep safeties, run the ball. That was a lot of this 
game for me, especially in the first half. I mean, the 49ers are playing a lot of two deep looks on early downs. And so I think so, I was thinking some of those gimme throw, you know, the layups we talked about last week with the bubble screens and the RPOs, I feel like those were just run plays in this game. So yes, it was different, but maybe not, you know, like I feel like they, they looked at those layups saying we can run the ball on these guys uh, and pound the pounded on uh, early downs here. So it certainly was different. Um, we'll see what they look like this upcoming week. It's kind of hard to be that different, I think, probably uh, week to week. But I don't think it was like a terrible plan. You know, the 49ers were banged up at cornerback. You feel good about your wide receivers. You probably felt like you were not going to hold, you know, your defense is not going to hold them maybe as much as they ended up holding them. You might have thought that you were going to have to score some more points uh, in this game, but that didn't happen. So I wasn't like, um, you know, what are they, you know, throwing papers in the air going, what are they doing? This is uh, hey, ridiculous. stuff was there. Like, yeah, yeah, there were some plays to be made, I thought. And like, you know, as you said, like, maybe, maybe it's silly to say like a, a couple plays here, a couple plays there. But if the script of that game changes, like, and they're up a touchdown or 10 points, like, then the 49ers all of a sudden maybe have to get away from their game plan a little bit. And, and the Which game would changes. have been really interesting. I was thinking it right. would have been nice to see. I wanted to see how the Eagles would have played if the 49ers had to do something, because I mean, talk a about a conservative offense. I mean, they yeah. threw, you know, they're Garoppolo's average. Yeah. I guess we can just get to that. I don't really have, well, I, I will no, say no, no, that's one, after we got, we got to save the defense for later. Okay. Well, the one take I thought, you know, you had that was kind of nuts was that uh, Sirianni was pandering to the Eagles fans with the really special. yeah I mean I know he's wearing the t-shirts and stuff but I think he's pretty focused on like what play can help us score here I mean maybe he thought it would be it could be it would be cool and first game but I don't know I thought that was a little oh I disagree like I don't think he was you know okay I a hundred percent think that's that's what was really? going on there. yeah okay. All right. uh the, my other thing on the Manning broadcast now a lot of hate for Eli in the chat which obviously makes sense for Eagles fans and I I'm no Eli fan but he's because he's been a rival for uh, for decades. <laughs> I know you love him, but <laughs> Eagles fans aren't aren't wired to want to see Eli Manning every night. Uh, but he's actually he's pretty funny. Um, and it's like the, the the sibling rivalry where Peyton is like very smart and Eli's like just sort of hoping to be able to keep up with him is kind of funny. Uh, but my other takeaway was: Did you guys watch the Favre segment? Yeah. Yes. Boy, is Don't there a guy? Is that a guy who has no idea what's going on on the football field? And it was so funny just to think about like what is the speech that this dunce gave to the Eagles the night before the Super Bowl? I can't believe that worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, wow. it was just that you know, the, is it a clip or did he mention it where he didn't even know what like nickel <laughs> like, was? Well, what, now what? Know? What? What? Did, what the coverage were they playing there? Like, I don't know, Brett, you tell me. Well, I mean, yeah, the least you know what? You That's the thing go is... on there is watch the first half. I mean, come on. He had it. He literally had not. I, know, watched. I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure this out. All right, Brett. Well, that's that's the famous. Um, I was going to say scene, but it, it, yeah, it's the scene in the book of uh, of Moneyball where Billy Bean and Lenny Dykstra are teammates. And Lenny Dykstra has like no idea who the pitcher is. Right. has no idea what's going on. And right. like Billy Bean is overthinking everything. Right. So, uh Look, Brett Favre it clearly worked. He was an outstanding player. So, yeah. now, now I'll, I'll say this about Eli Manning. Okay, uh, I I've said to you guys like, no so, matter what happened the week before, he was there at his locker no, every Tuesday. No, that has nothing. I'm, I'm I'm not mentioning that. I'm not mentioning that at all. Okay, he was he was. 
beloved as a teammate, right? Like he was, you know, for, for all the crap that he got publicly, like his teammates would go to bat for that guy all the time. Like they, he was really respected and liked in that locker room. And I, I think when you see this, like, like you can see his personality relative. It, he, it's a very, it's, it's the reason why his nickname's easy, right? He is, it's a very easygoing personality. I had no idea that was his nickname, first of all. Oh, you didn't and, know that? Okay. <laughs> no, okay. but uh, I would agree. I think you can sort of see that, uh, you know, I find him very likable in the broadcast. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know that I, uh, you know, Bo, I don't, I don't know that he's like totally trying to keep up with, uh, Peyton, like, I don't know. I think he was, I don't think he was like a dumb uh, quarterback. No, I, I think but he it's just tries to level. be less polished. Like he doesn't want to host yeah. the thing, but you almost need him to make it a little more uh, entertaining because I thought Peyton's making like the sort of a lot of the same points over and over again. And, you know, he slips into sometimes where he's making a little too broadcastery. And um, I thought Eli brought it back. Okay. So I enjoyed it. You, you learn stuff during it and you're uh, entertained. I agree. All right, let's take a little break to hear from our sponsors. The one thing I loved, hold on. The one the one football point I loved was they said during when you run play action and then a screen, like a you know, play action, sometimes they do the jet motion and do like a double play right. action. Uh Peyton was saying you don't want to make the fake too good because you actually don't want the defenders to come up because if they come up and think it's run, then they're going to be right there and tackle the oh, screen. That's pass. interesting. So, like stuff like that. I, you know, I would never hear anybody talking about that. So that's anyway, good. Go uh, that very briefly reminds me, uh, we don't have to talk about this now, but something to watch, not a lot of motion in this offense, especially compared to the rest of the league, just something to pay attention to as the season goes on. All right. Uh, a little uh, break from our sponsors. And on the other side, the return of ZB and the wolf looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You're listening to ZB and the Wolf on WBWF Sports Radio 6969, where it's not about the calls, it's about the. Welcome back to ZB and the Wolf, the show that makes you go, ow. Get us up on the chips, chip poll question to let us know which NFL head coach you would like to inject with ivermectin chip chips. They're good for a year. All right, ZB, it's everybody's favorite time of the week. It's time to bring in one of our favorite guests, talk a little bit National Football League. You know him, you love him. Sheil Kapadia from The Athletic. Sheil, how's it going in your neck of the woods? Going well, guys. Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, Sheila, I got to start. I know that the uh, Chargers have been your team throughout this entire summer, throughout the preseason. You are leading that charge. What do you say? How do you explain the egg that they laid against America's team? Well, I, I don't know that they laid an egg, Wolfman. I mean, I you know I don't know if you got around to watching that game or not. I think the Chargers uh, that was those were two evenly matched offenses. For the most part, the Chargers get called for 12 penalties for 99 yards. They have two touchdowns taken off the board because of penalties. They have a 32-yard completion taken off the board because of a penalty. And then I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was one of the worst calls, maybe the worst call of the weekend in that game. Justin Herbert, they're driving to try to score a touchdown. He starts backpedaling. He's stiff-arming Cowboys line, but defensive end now, Micah Parsons, and the rest blow the whistle. And call it a sack. I mean, that should have been an incomplete pass. That should not have been a sack. They moved back 18 yards where I think they were inside the 10 at the time. They have to settle for a field goal there. So, uh, I, you know, it, it was a game that didn't go their way. I know Chargers fans are sick of hearing that, but I thought Justin Herbert was very, very good in that game. The guy makes throws that make me cackle every single week. And so I think that Chargers team is going to be just fine. Shale, shale, shield, shale. My producer sent me your article. I I didn't understand it. I'm I'm reading Lamar Jackson. You're using some term called EPA. I'm thinking, when did he become the middle reliever on the Orioles, Wolfman? I, I go with something <laughs> called the eye test. Ever heard of that? I was watching this game, and I'm conflicted because Lamar Jackson, he he ran the ball, which I like. Back in, in, in my day when I played high school football, my coach told me three things can happen when you throw the ball. Two of them are bad. But he, but he ran the ball on fourth down. Fourth down supposed to be for punting. This hardball coach, he used to coach special teams. He should know the importance of field position. Anyway, what did you think of Harbaugh's decision-making, the way Lamar Jackson played? Shale, Ravens, your thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was on with you guys a couple of years ago when I, I wrote that article about the Ravens and their analytics department and how uh, you're not going to like this, ZB, but you know John Harbaugh's got a guy in his headset every week, a, I believe a Yale graduate who's telling him sort of the probabilities, what to do, when to kick, when to punt, all those things. And so a lot was made of that in this game. To me, you don't need the analytics. Let me, uh, you know, let me explain it to just a football guy like yourself, ZB. If you're in that situation, you've got the game on the line. Would you rather gamble on Lamar Jackson and that run game picking up one yard when they had been gashing the Chiefs all game long? Or would you rather gamble on your defense stopping Patrick Mahomes, the best player on the planet when he's retired when you know when all is said and done could be the best player we've ever seen during our lifetime so to me it was a simple decision that did not require any math it, it was fun to see John Harbaugh ask Lamar Jackson do you want to go for this I mean we all know John Harbaugh said afterwards of course he was going to go for it regardless and what quarterback doesn't want to go for it but you know what I'm all for empowering your players what was really interesting about this is if you watch the locker room scene for the Ravens after that game and when, where John Harbaugh was explaining. When that moment came up, he's looking around. The D-line coach is saying, go for it. The linebackers are saying, go for it. Backup offensive linemen are saying, 
go for it. I know we talked about this during that Eagles Super Bowl run. You get a culture, a culture of the team wanting to be aggressive where it's not the end of the world. If you don't get plays like that, you know what? It's going to end up in your favor more often than not. I loved seeing that out of the Ravens. That was the signature win of the weekend. When you talk about how banged up they were going into that game, short week, coming back from Las Vegas. You know, there's so many coaches love to make excuses in this league. They didn't make excuses. They went out. They rallied from an 11-point deficit. Uh, just a fantastic win for the Ravens. Sheila, you got you to gotta excuse my partner. He's He's been through uh, one too many Oklahoma drills. Now, I'm going to needle him a little bit here because he knows this is coming. He was a big Adam Gase fan, as big as it gets. Thought he was the next rising star in the head coaching circles, Okay. Now, in Carolina, we see Sam Darnold, just after Ryan Tannehill did it once before, looking like maybe all it takes is getting away from Adam Gase, and that's all you need to be a good quarterback. Carolina Panthers, are they for real? Uh, well, your Adam Gase point is a good one, uh, Wolfman. I mean, I think if you, you know, if you were with Adam Gase and left, you you might turn into the best best looking guy I've ever seen. I don't know. That's the effect we're seeing. I'm already the best looking guy you've ever seen. That's why I'm on radio, baby. <laughs> with, with their face made for radio, as they say, I'm with you there. Uh, you see it across the league. I mean, it really is uncanny. Whether it's uh, Robbie Anderson, Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake. I mean, the list probably goes on and on and on. Now, is Sam Darnold for real? Let's pump the brakes a little bit there, okay? They're doing some very smart things in Carolina in terms of putting him in position to succeed, whether it's play action, whether it's some of their concepts to get guys open against man coverage. They've got very good skill position players, of course, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Now, they didn't put on a show or anything uh, offensively, as far as I'm concerned, last week uh, against the New Orleans Saints. It, it was a big win. They deserve credit. I actually like their defense more than their offense, but Sam Darnold throws sort of a head-scratching interception there in the second half, lets the Saints back in it for a little bit. There was at least one other throw that could have been uh, picked off there. So I think when Darnold is playing within the structure of the offense, knows where to go with the ball, he can make all of the throws, and he did do that in that game. I think when things break down a little bit and we have to see if that offensive line is going to hold on, that's when I get a little bit concerned about his decision-making. So they've got to be thrilled about the 2-0 and start, but I'm not uh, going all in on Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers just yet. This question is brought to you by Bo Knows Awards. The Emmys were last night. You might want an award presentation for your kid's soccer team. Would have recognized the top performers at your office. You probably don't know where to turn. Bo Knows. At Bo Knows Awards, they'll plan the event. They'll write personalized lyrics. They'll even provide guest entertainment. Try it now at Bo Knows Awards, the award presentation you did not know you need. So Mike Zimmer, my kind of guy. I bet he doesn't know. ERA or PEA, whatever it is you use, but PDA. my producer said, my bowl, there you go, Bowman or Wolfman. <laughs> my producer said, we need to be uh, talking about analytics. We're trying to attract younger listeners. But, Shield, why isn't Mike Zimmer winning more games? He's a defensive coach. Yeah, you know, the Vikings are snake bit, it seems to start the season. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to give Mike Zimmer a heart attack or what, but it's been three months. You know, the summer he's dealing with a quarterback who won't get vaccinated, who wants to live in a plexiglass sort of, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, closet, shield, globe, whatever. He wants to put that in the quarterback room. Mike Zimmer can't understand why his players and specifically his quarterback is making this decision. Then week one, they lose in overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals. They have penalties on the first drive of the game. They have 12 penalties, I think, in that game. And now week two, 
Everything's looking up. You know, they're in this hard-fought game. Kyler Murray's making incredible play after incredible play, but they drive. They get the ball. They're driving. They're down a point. Kirk Cousins is executing the offense well. No boneheaded plays. They get to within a 37-yard field goal. They're going to kick this thing right as time is running out. And Joseph, their kicker, pushes the ball right. Now, all of a sudden, they're 0-2. They're 0-2, and they've been outscored by four total points in the first two games. So uh, I think it's just one of those things where the randomness is going against them. The luck is going against them. It's a long season. I'm not giving up on that team yet. But, man, if you're a Vikings fan, you come into this season, you're not really expecting that your team has a high ceiling. And now, all of a sudden, you're two games in. You're 0-2. I think there are some fans in Minnesota who just say, let's go tank this baby. Let's get a different quarterback next year and uh, let's rebuild. But I think they're going to be too competitive to make that happen. ZB, why don't you hit him with one more and then we'll we'll hear from the uh, we'll hear from a listener from the uh, E-Bombs World Hotline. Well, this question here, this is brought to you by Capadia Hats with locations throughout Philadelphia, Harrisburg, Baltimore, State College, and Seattle. Capadia Hats for the flattest brims around. No need to grade them on a curve. But a team that I'm wondering if 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 you need to grade them on a curve, that's the Atlanta Falcons, right? Going into this year, I was I was wondering if this is a team that could be a sleeper team. The only thing they're doing is putting me asleep. Shield, what's going on with the Atlanta Falcons? I'm with you, ZB. I think we talked about the Falcons before the season. I thought there was a chance they could be a sneaky playoff team. I think even last week, you guys were very down on them after week one. And I said, hold on, it's only one week. Let's see if they get it together. Uh, I'm coming around to your guy's side. And trust me, I do not like admitting to doing that. I mean, if you watch this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we were just talking about in-game decision decision making and uh, fourth downs and analytics and all that stuff. They have a fourth and one on their first drive from the Tampa Bay 49. Arthur Smith sends, you know, the punting unit out onto the field, tries to draw an, uh, an offsides, doesn't get it. They take the five-yard penalty and they punt. Very next possession. Fourth and two. This time they're on their own 45. He says, let's go ahead and go for it. Now, where's the consistency? I mean, these coaches, they spend hours. They sleep in their office. They love talking about how much film they watch. When it comes to the basics of in-game decision-making, there's no consistency there. You look at that Falcons offense, they have not completed a single pass that's gone at least 20 yards downfield in their first two games. I mean, I wish I loved anything as much as Arthur Smith loves Cordero Patterson. I mean, you've got to watch one of these Falcons games. Every other play, they are getting 30-year-old Cordero Patterson involved. If, they, if he keeps up this pace, he's going to have 179 touches this season. Cordero Patterson's career high for touches, the man is 30 years old, is 85. I mean, what are they doing in Atlanta? It started in the offseason. They keep Matt Ryan. They trade Julio Jones. They use their fourth pick on a tight end. They don't explore the quarterback market. And now you look at how they started their first two games. Man, if I'm a Falcons fan. Now, granted, they were in that game in the fourth quarter. Matt Ryan looks like, I don't want to say cooked or washed or any of those terms that the young kids use. He does not look like a quarterback who's capable of elevating the players around him. I think it could be a long, long season in Atlanta. All right, Sheil, you've been of the best. You already are the best. We got one more for you. We gave it up to the uh, the E-Bombs World Hotline, our voicemail box. We got a question for you from a fan. What's up, dudes? This is Trey, certified member of the ZB Hive Buzz Buzz. Here's my question. 
Who wins more games? All right. The Jets, but Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback and Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator or the Rams, but Joe Flacco is the quarterback. Let me know what you guys think. Holla at your boy. Trey, th- thank you for the call, my man. I mean, is that a serious question? Patrick Mahomes. Do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to listen to two things that Jason Garrett says? I mean, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't get two possessions in before he has uh, someone in football ops disconnect Jason Garrett's headset. You know, he would be making all the play calls. He would be designing the offense and he would elevate that team. Uh, you know, they would be competing for the NFC East with Patrick Mahomes. This is what happens when you have the the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, if you if you put Joe Flacco on that Rams team, what do you think? Sean McVay is a magician or something? That is not going to end well. They are not good enough uh, to elevate a team with Joe Flacco. So uh, thank you for the call. But uh, Trey, come on, so step it up next week. I look forward to hearing from you then. All right. Sheila Kapadia. You can follow him on Twitter at Sheila Kapadia. You can read his stuff at The Athletic. He's the best. You know it. You love him. We'll be back on the other side. Yeah, let WBW. me get my plugs in, uh, Wolfman. Thank you oh, for that. Man. How do you forget every week? You know, I'm not getting paid for this. I hear about all these sponsors left and right. I'm bringing a large audience. You take up. You tell me it's going to be 15 minutes. I come on. It's all of a sudden we're 25 minutes later. You're giving me some stupid question from a guy named Trey. So I'm going to get some plugs take in. Take it okay? easy. Take you it easy. read my gotcha. takeaways, of course, on The Athletic. Uh, Theathletic.com slash birds with friends gets you 50% off. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Shield Kapadia, uh, Instagram. Instagram, at Shield Kapadia, of course, TikTok. We're going to get that started up. But, you know, some random follower of your guys on Twitter was asking me about a, a fans only, only fan. I mean, I don't even know what that is. So, no, you cannot find me on there. And no, I would not Google, Google that uh, at work. So, uh, thank you for having me. I look forward to answering some of your nonsense questions next week. Well, ZB, this is, uh, this is very awkward. We're going to have to get into this on the other side here on WBWF 6969. We will talk. To Hank Fraley on the other side. You're listening to ZB and the Wolf. Oh! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, we're back on Birds with Friends. Uh, make sure that you are liking the videos, subscribing on uh, the channel, all that good stuff. Make sure you're leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts that uh, say something other than Bo, stop interrupting Zach. And uh, we'll, we'll be ready to talk some defense here in a minute. Sheila, you look like you have something to say. Well, you know, someone made a, the point that is spot on uh, that during that segment, I don't know whether to be myself <laughs> or in character. And I feel like incredibly left out, not getting to be in character. Like I just put on a different hat and shirt just because I wanted to mm. feel something like I just did something. And now I'm doing uh, maybe we can else. give you. May, what, would you like to be the update guy? That way you can be yourself in the segment, but then you can maybe have a I separate can, role. Maybe I can pre-record something and say, yeah, and send it to Marissa or something. All right. I, I yeah, I, I like something like that. Okay. That's that good. Work. Although again, that sounds like a little, you know, work for me, which, you know, I'm not really uh, on board uh, with that. And also CTC. we'll see. Yeah. So you guys knocked it out of the part again, you know, ZB is just at home. Uh, totally at home. So I don't want to jinx it, but uh, you know. I would be in favor of just doing that, making the podcast just that segment a couple times a week and nah, not doing anything shark. else. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you want to overexpose it. Um, That's true. I was at the uh, I was at the playground the other day uh, with uh, with the kids, and we met we met a family that was like their their child is a, in the baby room with uh, with Jane, and uh you know we're talking like you know where where'd you they just moved where'd you move from like how do you, you know how do you like the place and like we're talking about jobs you know i mentioned i say i work for the eagles and he's like oh wait a second you you missed your question on the press conference today <laughs> like oh yeah that's me <laughs> that's that's what i'm known for baby that's all i that's all i'm good for so there you go. Wait, so you, they were listening to the press conference? They must have, yeah, they were listening to the press conference earlier in the day. Oh. And at the end of the press conference, after I had already asked my question, I got called on one more time. When I when I thought that it was over, there was no there were no more questions. And mm. I just had nothing to say. ZB, how do we not have audio of this? I next actually I did actually mean to send the audio to Marissa. But. Oh, okay. and, yeah, next and, time. and Jeff McLean wanted in. He wanted Bo's question. He should have. Right? He should have so. jumped in. Yeah, so he 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 jumped in saying, "I'll take it," and then they and I said, "Go ahead." Oh, so he didn't get it? No, he didn't get it. They, no, they, yeah, they had that spot reserved for Bo. Bo was the only one they were gonna let. Yeah, but they it. said one more question to Mike, and so it was over. There was there were no more questions, yeah. and so when she said, oh, "Okay, one more for Zach, for Bo," I was, I was like, I was totally caught off guard. You got me right. ready. Bad job. I look me. forward to hearing this audio. I gotta, I gotta get, get in the lab, and work on that. All right, uh, let's talk about the defense shield. Um, unlike the offense, where they're still trying to figure out what their identity is, um, at least while Brandon Graham was playing, they have an identity. Uh, second, second highest percentage of zone coverage in the league, almost ninety percent. Second fewest blitz, uh, second smallest, shortest, least blitz rate in the league, just about eight percent. And no big plays given up. They give up two in this game, uh, a 21-yard run by Jamichael Hasty in the fourth quarter, and then the the Debo Samuel play at the end of the first half, which was a huge play. Um, but that's the fewest amount of big plays given up in the league. So uh, they are they are sticking to their bend but don't break principles. What did you uh, What did you make of of how everything looked to you? Eight snaps of man coverage through two games. Like I thought that was impossible 
but you are kind of, you know, you're seeing a lot of teams kind of play uh, a different way this year. It's, you know, we'll see what it looks like six, seven, eight weeks into the season, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You nailed it there with what their, uh, what their identity is. I mean, they played really well, you know, they give up 17 points. They forced three and outs on the first three possessions. They force punts on the first four possessions. There are going to be annoying drives as a fan where you're watching it saying, get a stop. You know, this is like play 13 of the drive, but it's, it's absolutely a smart way to play. And in my opinion, it's the right way to play in 2021. So uh, in terms of individual performances, I mean, I thought was this Javon Hargrave's best game as an Eagle? Did you think I so? I mean, he was that. really good in week yeah, one. I thought, I I thought mean, he was like, unbelievable. I mean, he was ending, he was basically he, killing oh, every, every drive. I mean, the first drive, tackle for loss in that Niners team. Yeah, that well, you know, they, they they complained. Shanahan complained that he that he jumped the snap on that first snap of the game. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, it that that type that's like one of my favorite type of plays to watch. Right? Oh, the guy just, totally guesses yeah, right. He oh, it's so the guy good. And just uh, crushes the running back. So tackle for loss, uh, second. Possession, another tackle for loss. Third possession, he hits uh, Garoppolo on third down. I mean, he was wrecking them for the first yeah. three possessions of the game, and it didn't stop there. I mean, he played well uh, throughout, playing hard, hustling, uh, you know, run, pass, everything. So, yeah, I thought, I mean, I haven't gone back and graded every single one of Javon Hargrave's games as a pro. Well, you were killing him last year. Well, yeah, he wasn't playing well. Okay. I did the caveat for every one of those where I said, I, I said, listen, I said, I don't know. He might, I don't know if he's injured or not. You know, he had this injury in the summer. I don't know. You turned but it on. You turned it on pretty, pretty thick. I was by about mid season. Well, when a guy's stats are like, you know, no yeah. sacks, one hit and two tackles through eight games and you signed him to 13 million. Um, you know, somebody oh, has losing to lose Marissa. Somebody has to call that out. Not, not everyone's drinking the Atlanta Kool-Aid, uh, you know, as you are. <laughs> um, so that was certainly, um, you know, one thing that stood out, uh, this, um, Gennard Avery role is like interesting to me, you know, uh, he had seven tackles that were placed. Yeah. He I was more like active asking, in this game, but how many times do you think Gennard Avery has rushed the passer through two games? Have you looked this up or not? No, I haven't. I did not look All up. right. That's what good. are your guesses? I looked this up before oh, you did look it up. Gosh, I uh, so much I'm an amazing co-host. Like percentage of his snaps or percentage of snaps? No, just how many total, how many times have they said, Go forward and get the quarterback on a pass, uh, on a pass play. 13, 12, four times. <laughs> is that incredible? But four he's also not like dropping games. in coverage that often. No, he is. He's dropping a lot, at least in this game. He was. I mean, there was one play. I don't know if he was confused or what. I, I would like to send it to uh, Coach Flynn or somebody, but it seemed like everyone's playing coverage. They're asking him like these really, I think, challenging like coverage plays where he's on the line of scrimmage threatening to blitz or like, you know, on the edge or in the a gap. And then he's got to get back to his, you know, zone coverage responsibilities. There was this play. They were in cover too. I think it was a 11 yard completion or something where he's on the right edge. And then he just like stopped. I don't know if he forgot what he was supposed to do. If he thought he heard a whistle or what, and then he realized he's got to drop. He's the only person, you know, among the five underneath defenders in cover two. He's the only person not there, like not even close. And they just throw a completion right there. He's got his hands on his hips after the play, and he asks out of the game. So I, I don't know if he was like gas. What I would love to know what was happening there, but like for a guy who probably just wants to make his living, you know, as like a situational pass rusher, that is not what he's doing in this defense. And to me, it's almost like looking ahead, 
like they need sort of a like an athlete. Like they need to invest a resource in that spot. It feels like to me. You know what they need Marcus well, Smith. Yeah, that's a, yeah exactly. I was thinking like yeah, like Micah Parsons guy. I mean, you probably wouldn't want to. Yeah, it'd probably be a waste of Micah Parsons yeah. in that role. But you're right, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Smith is a. You're you're absolutely right about that. If he just had to do that and drop the zone and you know not think too much and not rush the passer, he would have been uh, good at that. So that was definitely something that uh, stood out to me. The 40-yard catch and run, I thought it was uh, cover three where Eric Wilson lets Debo Samuel get behind him. And then uh, Kayvon Wallace just takes a bad angle. He was the middle of the field safety there, and he doesn't bring him down. And then Singleton misses a tackle. I mean, that's a huge play, you know, because if they would have just held him to a field goal even there, you can live with that. I mean, they were really taking their time moving the ball uh, down the field. And so uh, that was obviously a huge play and the touchdown. I think Stephen Nelson got a little bit nosy there with George Kittle running the route to his left, abandoning his responsibilities. And then Juwan Johnson catches the touchdown. So that's like a two play sequence that really just swings the game there totally. uh, in favor of the 49ers. So that uh, stood out. Uh, I thought Zach was, you know, warranted with his sort of Derek Barnett criticism during the post game pod. I mean, my issue is that. Yeah, it's not like if you get that penalty, if you get a penalty while you're sacking the quarterback, fine. We all know it's yep. tough. Your, you know, aggressiveness is taking over. Like there was just no reason. Like, what do you do? It's a cheap shot, too. I mean, the guy's not even looking, and you just nail him for no reason. It's a huge play in the game. I mean, I'm I'm trying to look at my uh it would have been here, third and fifteen. Right. Exactly. Third and fifteen. Yes, they're you. down, they're down eleven. Third and 15 from their own, what what would it have been? Their own 20... 27 yard line, I believe. 27. Instead, yeah. it's first and 10 from their own 42. And it would have been th- yeah. yeah, third and 15 from their own 27 versus first and 10 from their own 42. I mean... And, and, and they had all three timeouts still, too. Yeah. Right? And because the they had to use their timeouts. Like, that's a huge play. Now, if you would have told me, all right, well, you know, forgive, but you got to cut Barnett some slack. He was all over the field. I mean, I didn't notice Barnett yeah. doing anything in that game, did you? No. I mean, he, he was mostly invisible. He had three tackles, no quarterback hits, no sacks. Uh, he had, you know, on the season, he's got one hit and two quarterback pressures on 38 pass rushing opportunities. And he so, wasn't good over the summer. He right, was very so quiet he, during training. You know, it's just like um, with every player, you just say, you know, I, what do you live with? What don't you live with? And it's sort of like, all right, if a guy's tearing it up on every other <laughs> snap and he does, makes these boneheaded penalties, then it's like, all right, I guess you could – live with that but he's been like a solid starter nothing more than that and then you have a you know a key spot in the game in a close game a low, low scoring game and it's just completely unnecessary it's not like an instinctual like the Kayvon Wallace thing you know that you can kind of right. live with it's a bang bang play uh it happens you can't crush a guy for that that's not like what this was at all I mean it's just a blind yeah. side shot on a guy and it's really impactful in terms of the game. So Somebody, one of the commenters says uh, Barnett flew in the air once for no reason. And that's true. It's a very funny that it happened once in the game. Like he, he tried to like jump the line of scrimmage and just like oh, his legs taken out. It was very funny. The one thing I was going to say about the Barnett penalty, like two plays earlier, uh, a 49ers guy is gets in a shoving match with Anthony Harris and like really shoves Anthony Harris right in front of the ref and the ref, tries to break it up, doesn't throw a flag. I think I think that preceded the Barnett thing. I think if that hadn't, they might have let the Barnett penalty go. Go ahead. Let that so penalty I, go? No. I there's think so. No, there's no scenario where that, that penalty gets like 
What are yes, you talking was. about? It's a blind the ball side was still shot on a guy right in front of the 49ers sideline. That gets called every that. single time. There couldn't be a more blatant penalty. So the, uh, the I I know some of our viewers and listeners that tune into the press conference, right? And, and so uh, I I did ask Sirianni about it, and and the reason is is, is not to like be labor the Barnett point, but um, you're trying to early, bury the guy. No, 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 no. It's not that. I, I, I just want to take 30 seconds to explain this, especially early in the season. Um, I'm trying to use my questions to learn more about Sirianni, right, and, and how he's going to coach the team. So in a lot of my questions last week, and then uh, you'll see this week, like I'm asking Sirianni's thought process, his, his, his messaging. And what I wanted to learn is, is when something like this happens, how does Sirianni address it? What's his level of 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 tolerance if you will uh for these plays and he says you know they hold the players accountable accountability is a big thing i imagine a, a lot of it's done behind closed doors he doesn't seem like uh the kind of guy who but you know for instance mike vrabel mike vrabel went hard at julio jones after week one right and um he he publicly criticized julio jones and said that you know he he, he would not tell julio something that he didn't or he would not say something publicly that he does not tell Julio privately, but it was very clear he was trying to send a message. I'm curious. To, I, I was curious to see if Sirianni did that, and Sirianni did not take that approach publicly. I actually don't have a big. Uh, I actually don't even think it's that that that's coaching. I feel like if your whole team's doing that, if you lead the league in those penalties, then it's coaching. I mean, Barnett's in his fifth year. <laughs> In the it's NFL. not Nick Sirianni's he's played fault, with yeah. veterans. I mean, you know, he's played with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, like the best Eagles of this era. He's been in the room with them. He played with a, you know, a, uh, no nonsense. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Jim Schwartz on the side was saying like, it's all good. Like, you know, go ahead and let it rip on. Those. But that was the knock on Schwartz. Yeah, but 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 that was the right. knock on Schwartz's teams, right? Yeah. So yeah, he would get very. He did not like the, talking about that uh, topic. Yeah. Uh, at all when you talked about discipline so it's like he's, he's in his fifth year in the league and again it's if if he's playing well enough to and that happens once in a while that's fine but in you know it's a small sample but certainly in two games he has not played well enough where you can uh, you should be doing that and you shouldn't be doing that i mean come on so i have one other uh defensive question for you eric wilson so he basically gets demoted in this game. Uh, Explain to me. I, I I'm watching it, but I'm not. What is what is the linebacker like? What are the roles? Because I have. Complete, I know they're going to ask me about this on WIP tomorrow, yeah. and I'm basically going to have to tell them whatever you tell me now. Game. So week one, it's Eric Wilson and T.J. Edwards in base. Okay. And Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton in nickel. Halfway through the game, Eric Wilson gets yanked in favor of Sean Bradley in base. So it becomes Wilson and Singleton in nickel, uh, Bradley and Edwards in base. The second game, they come out, it's Singleton and Edwards in base. So Eric Wilson has been officially yanked from the base defense. And then it's Singleton and Wilson again in nickel. Halfway through the game, Davion Taylor goes in for Singleton in the base. And I think that was less of a replacement and more like we want to get Davion Taylor involved. We want to get him, uh, get him snaps. And I actually thought he was fine. Yeah, I thought um, he had some moments. For the most part. But so Eric Wilson right now is just a nickel linebacker. And I mean, I just I'm not seeing it from the guy. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, so well, so this is what I was gonna say is is that sometimes like the the league does know, 
right? And and, and so of when course. you're wondering why a 26 year old linebacker is getting what a, a one year, two point seven five million dollar contract, right? In, you know, almost a month into free agency, when when like we were talking about him on our free agency show is. As this is the kind of player they should target. This right. is a guy who could fit. He's an ascending player. Uh, uh, last year was his his first time with meaningful playing time. And then when they they signed him to the contract, I think all of us were like, you know, they, this seems like a good deal for a guy that right. age who's an ascending player. Yeah. Um, it, it's it seems that the the league might have known something for him to be to be valued that way because. Yeah, he has not shown it so far. Now, it is only two games. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's a matter of getting comfortable, but uh, it hasn't worked so far. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was pretty good last year. You know, like I mean, I, you can't really judge linebackers uh, by the numbers, but if nothing else, he filled up the stat sheet and was a playmaker, whether it was uh, sacks, forced turnovers. Yeah, he had – didn't he have like over 100 tackles? I mean, yeah. Um, well, yeah, you are right though, Zach. I mean, Mike Zimmer is willing to overpay – uh, any defensive player he wants. And so that maybe that should have been uh, a little bit of a sign. Well, Anthony yeah, Harris too. Yeah. Although they did tag Anthony Harris. Yeah. This I just mean, yeah, right. yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean on that 40 yard Debo catch, I mean, I don't know if it's all on Wilson, but the, you know, that was a tight, that was to be fair. That was a pretty tight window. That was, throw. that was yeah. his best throw. Of the day, I thought. Now I was wondering that, and I guess it was third down, but like, it is the end of the half. Like you're trying to be, you should yeah. be playing pretty conservative there. And you know, if a guy's, but I don't know, maybe did the, by guess, the way, did, did you notice Alex Singleton getting a little salty in the post game, Zach, when he was asked about that last, it was, yeah, the, it was the, that, yeah. you asked the question and like I, what I, happened on the play. He's about like, what, which play, if you know anything about what well, it was. So uh, the end of the game, they have that second and nine and they throw the, the eight yard pass to use check yeah. to set up the you know third and one that ends the game. And it's like, you know, it's in front of Singleton. And Zach asked, like, very innocently, like, what happened on that play? And he's like, I mean, if you if you know anything about football, you know the rules are you play you play high to low. Like, I had to, I had to worry about the guy behind me before I could worry about yeah, the guy I think in front he of was, me. I, I think he thought that yeah. I was using the question to, like, criticize the fact that they allowed a completion there. Right. You um, were just asking, like, I was literally get- what happened on the play. Exactly. Because like I, you know, as I was putting together a story, like I, or as I was thinking of stories, I I wanted to think of like, you know, key plays, just get his perspective there. Right. And if, if you force an incompletion there or something like that, um, then it's a, it's what a third and eight or third and seven. So, uh, yeah, that would have been huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not getting on, like, I don't think Singleton played that incorrectly. I was just trying to get his perspective on what happened on that play. I thought that was – I think they, they could have probably called something to put him in a better position on that play. Anyway, anything else to get off your chest on the defense, Shil? No, I mean, yeah, w- Wilson was – you know, he got pancaked once by George Kittle. I think that clip's uh, going around on the big 21-yard Jamichael Hasty run. You know, Teron Jackson gets blocked by a fullback. Wilson can't get off his block. Uh, Singleton sort of got manhandled there by an offensive lineman. And that – you know, it was really just like a handful. It, w- it was probably like three plays, you know, the – the hasty run, the Debo Samuel um, forty yarder, and then those two penalties yeah. where you get Barnett and uh, Kayvon Wallace, and they well, go the from their own thirty five to the other thirty five, and that one too. Yeah, three penalties. You're right. That was just man coverage. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It was a bad penalty at a bad time. I mean, it was more. It was more impactful on the outcome of the game than the Barnett penalty. Yes, because they would have had to oh, kick a field right. goal. I mean, it was a guaranteed four point penalty. Yep. Um, but yeah, 
I'm looking at my notes too to see if there's anything else, but I think we've I think we've mostly covered it. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, like Hargrave. There's another play where Hargrave gets like blatantly held. He, I mean, he really was like he was wrecking the game. Yeah, You're right. All right. Uh, so we we've decided that we are not going to postpone this. We're not going to change our schedule just because the Eagles have a changed schedule. We're yeah, people we're are ready out. to move on, baby. It's we're not going to we're not going to adjust our game plan to stop what they do well. We're going to stick with what we do well and make them react. Except right? next week, we, we'll probably adjust next week. Basically. Next week, Nick, we'll Nick. probably. <laughs> how much do you know about how much Eagles fans hate the Dallas well, Cowboys? Well, I'll say this. This is an interesting note. Well, it's good. Right? It's a good back to back because last week we got what's it going to be like to play in front of the fans yeah. for the first time. Now we're going to get what's it going to no, be. So, so I, I, I can tell you what Sirianni's answer is going to be. Okay? okay. They have a rivalry board in the team facility, right? Where they have moments from Eagles history against their different rivals. And like Sirianni uh, wants to emphasize rivalries. And so they, they have a rivalry board. Um, that players see every day. And so I, I imagine he'll incorporate that into his answer when he gets asked it. I think he might say, you know, one of the things I did guys when I took this job is, is I sort of called around to guys who know, and, and one of the people I talked to was, was Andy Reed. I thought he'd have some really good advice to give me. And he told me that in his first year, he was going out to get a cheeseburger one morning. And the guy told him, Andy, you could lose 15 games as long as you beat the cow. I guess you could lose fourteen games as long as you beat yeah. the Cowboys twice. That's all we care about. So that's what I know about this rivalry. Remember, Andy used to always tell that story. I mean, I, I didn't know it as well as you apparently did there, but yeah. Uh, so there you go. So we will be back Thursday at three thirty uh, for our live show. But obviously, you can listen whenever. Uh, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about a very big game. I mean, the way this schedule sets up, this game is is pretty enormous. Um, so we'll get into it. Different test, much more challenging test for the defense. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Anything else you want to say, Zach? Uh, there's a lot I want to say, but nothing I need to say at 9.30 at night here. So, um, no, we're good. We're go- oh, oh, oh I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. And on the topic of all of us being tired, um, if uh, if the Eagles lose a lot of games this year, I – I fear for Nick Sirianni's health, man, because yeah. he was he was exhausted yesterday. Like, yeah, he looked rough. This, this is not no, and I and I say this almost as a compliment. This is not a guy who like, all right, you lose a game, he flushes it away, you know. You know, he is like he, Well, I think it's more he needs to sleep. But the, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was gr- I, he was grinding that tape on uh you know sunday night monday morning right like this he he wore that loss he he felt it so uh yeah for 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 nick sirianni's sleeping schedule i i think they need to win some games what is that shirt you're wearing shield barkley nice respect i had to change out of my uh radio guest pants okay yeah no i'm not wearing pants (laughs) As you as you shouldn't. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. For Marissa and Zach and Sheil, uh, for Trey from Pasadena, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening, and as always, we love you.